Hello and welcome to the coffee celebration. Today our guest is Trenton Hudson. He produces cartoons. He is a gifted stand-up comedian. And most importantly, he owns a coffee company. So mm -hmm. we are going to get started today. Um, just let us know, like, where are you from? And, and um, you know, had you always wanted to be in the entertainment industry? So thank you, for, first of all, so much for having me. Um, appreciate uh, sure. you giving me the time to come on and chat with you. So I originally grew up in a tiny town in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest, a little town called Wellsville, Missouri, like 1,200 people. Um, I didn't always know that I wanted to do something with entertainment, but I kind of always felt a pull towards it. Mm -hmm. um, me and my brothers, I'm one of five boys. I'm the middle child, no girls in the family. You know, there's only seven years from oldest to youngest. So <clears throat> we uh, were really close. We like to give each other a tough time and be funny and, you know, crack jokes at one another's expense. So that was always something that, you know, made us close. But also we always had this like idea in the back of our heads, man, we should make our own show or we should make cartoons or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then about a little over nine years ago we started making cartoons we decided we we're actually like let's pursue this we taught ourselves how to animate um learned how to write proper joke structure storytelling structure for a show and just started putting content on youtube and got the attention of comedy central did a web series with them for a couple years um have done some other cool projects since lately we've been doing a more independent route and but yeah so our page is um our company's called riot comedy so if you're on um, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, whatever your social media platform of choice is, um, they are a little unconventional. <laughs> Just so you know, it's more like South Park Family Guy type of humor. Yeah, um, yeah but a lot of time we hit, um, you know, current events, things that are going on in the news. We love to make fun of the NBA because we're all diehard NBA fans. So we've been doing this show, making fun of NBA players for the past few years and um, just whatever's going on in the NBA rumor mill, the NBA news rumor cycle is always nuts now. So, oh, wow. tons of jokes there. <laughs> I used to work in Maryville, Missouri. Is that kind of near where you were? Yeah, that's like probably less than an hour and a half. All right. So you were like by St. Joe or? No. Wait, Maryville is on the west side of Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, it's top west. Oh, okay. I, I always confuse it because there's literally a Maryville University in St. Yeah. Louis, and I always think Maryville, St. Louis. So, no, I grew up a little bit closer to St. Louis, kind of in the middle. So, I was like, so it takes about four hours to get from St. Louis to Kansas City. Yeah. So, I was about an hour and a half from St. Louis, about two and a half from Kansas City. Oh, okay. Yeah, so just, just a little closer to the east. I mean, 1,200 people in your town. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. When I, I went to college, I went to the University of Missouri and, you know, I'd meet people there and it's like, yeah, my town's only 1,200 people and everyone like, you know, I met all these people from Chicago and Dallas. Like those are like big influxes for the School of Journalism for some reason. But um, yeah, everyone's like, that's how big my high school was. I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my high school is 37 people in my class, not the whole high school, but my graduating class. So very, very small beginnings. Now I live in Los Angeles where it's noisy there's people everywhere and yeah. for the most part i love it i love living in la although every now and again all the people everywhere does get to me but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's all good so do you how many of your brothers help you with 
um, writing and producing cartoons? And what is it like to produce something? I don't really know the difference. Yeah, for sure. So it's um, it's three of us. It's myself and my two younger brothers. They're twins. They're just two years younger than me. And um, so we all it's all collective. Uh, One of my brothers does um, the majority of the animation work. We all do writing. I do the majority of the voice acting. And um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But sometimes it's um, it can be frustrating. It's, you know, producing, especially cartoons is very um. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of steps. Um, although we we simplify it, we cut out some. We don't storyboard. We get straight to animation because okay. since we direct it also, we don't really need, there's not this process of like, we got to send it to this person to animate and, you know, these people do the writing and we got a director who's trying to bring it all together. So whenever you have a small team, um, it's a lot easier and we can pump out content pretty quick. So we can do short form animation we can do like one minute long episodes and get it out in a day. <clears throat> wow. So, but yeah, so it's, when, uh, it's, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just was going to ask when Comedy Central kind of picked up um, mm-hmm. what you were doing, did they have you do a certain um, procedure? Like you're saying, it goes to a director, someone cleans it up. You, I don't you, you know, what's funny is actually when we started working with Comedy Central, we produced everything still. Um, oh. They, so yeah, we did everything. They were there to help us get better at telling jokes and writing story. And that was the best part about working with Comedy Central is we were working with these people who, you know, were great at what they did and know how to properly, you know, tell a story. Cause we didn't really know how to do that. Honestly, when we started making cartoons, we just knew how to be funny, but we didn't know how to, you know, there, there's like a, a way to tell a story that keeps your viewers engaged. You know, yeah. you have, everyone has, you got your proper beginning, middle end structure, right? Mm-hmm. But there's like certain things through there that keep people like wanting to listen to this story. We had no clue how to do that. Okay. And so working with Comedy Central, they turned us into pros. It was like, you know, going to college for four years to learn how to do this right. Mm-hmm. And the the production, you know, you asked, you said you don't really know what that's like. So yeah, as a producer, it's your job to bring it to life. So if you produce cartoons, you may, um, it's it's kind of, you're, you're like the foreman on a construction site, right? Typ- typically. So you, you got to kind of wear a lot of hats, especially for us, you know, small team, but it's um, just making sure everything comes together. It's making sure the animation is right, making sure the you know, the process from, so for us, it's like, this is what it's like. We write a script um, and then we record voiceovers. Yes. And then we edit the voiceover um, and then we export the audio and bring that into the animation software. Wow. And, And then we build the animation around the audio and then we export the animation and then we edit that um, and then it's ready to go. And so you have a YouTube channel and is that where you kind of release it or? Yeah, yeah. We, we release everything um, on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok. Those are our biggest platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in any of those, it's it's probably easiest to watch like episodes on youtube 
because mm-hmm. we have playlists that have things. Um, whereas, you know, social media feed is scattered with memes and random nonsense, right? So it's... <laughs> so is it... Okay. Uh, judge me favorably with this question. Do you get paid to do it? Like, how so, do you generate... So, so the way we, we generate money is from views and sponsorships. Oh. So, you know, the the money from views is... It's so up and down because you never know what a video is going to do until you release it. Um, and then there have been instances where we've worked with brands and plugged their stuff or, you know, we're we're working on a couple other really cool ways to work with brands right now. I don't want to get into because nothing's done yet. But um, <laughs> yeah, so so that's generally it. Um, there, there's other ways to um, you can sell merch for your shows. We don't have a big um, merch kind of demand right now um we've done we've done different products here and there um different funny shirts with our characters and whatnot um but yeah those are the big ones for us is views and doing uh brand collaborations okay so um correct me if i'm wrong but um you've had experience uh with being a stand-up comic too right yeah okay so i want to hear all about that don't leave anything out because I know it's a very up and down process too, you know, mm-hmm. the response of the audience, um, all of that. So when did that come to fruition and how did you make that leap of faith? Um, I, I wanted to do that for a long time. And for me, it is an outlet to, stay sharp and stay funny and it helps with the writing of the cartoons Mm -hmm. um and also like there's nothing in the world like doing stand-up comedy um i think it is the most difficult form of entertainment yeah um it's a lot of pressure to make people laugh when they are expecting to laugh and there's um there's a high expectation when you're on stage mm-hmm. to you not only have to make people laugh you got to bring the right energy you got to you know maintain a, a lot with the the presence of the crowd and you also have to be it's like you have to have two minds right so you have like I I can sit here and like I'm sitting here doing my stand up bit and then like my other brain is analyzing the crowd telling me what I need to change in my set as I'm doing it and so you have to like I said it keeps me sharp right because you have to respond to this you know live pressure and but I think that you know if you like that kind of pressure it brings out the best in you so that's why there's there's nothing like doing stand-up comedy it's like a rush that I don't know where else to get it. <laughs> like when when you go up on stage and you just kill a set and I've I've had sets where you know so it's like you said a minute ago up and down because you try new material and sometimes you don't know and sometimes I I have a couple comedy clubs that I go to that are um really comedian friendly because the open mics are mostly comedians in there so that's where I really test out like I don't know how this is gonna go so let me bring this to this comedy club and see how these people react to it before I take it out and see see what the the real audiences think um but yeah it's like a 
a drug that just when you get the laughs you want and sometimes mm-hmm. you'll have sets where I've had sets where I got people laughing way before I even expected them to laugh. Yeah. And so it's like, cause I, you know, you have like a tiny joke, but that sets up for a good joke. Mm-hmm. And when you get big laughs on the small joke, when you're expecting, you know, I even, as yeah. I'm writing it, I'm like, okay, this is going to get just a little laugh here, but then I got a big one coming. And when you get the big one, when you're writing for the little one, you're like, okay, I got the audience hooked. Everything is good. Yeah. Everything is good. Everything's flowing. Amazing. The energy's there. Um, and then like it just builds your confidence and builds your presence. And then when you have moments where that's not happening exactly where, you know, you think it's going to happen or you can feel the audience kind of losing, you're losing them. Yeah. And then you got to get that back and re-engage and hit them with something really hard, a good joke. Um, so the, the pressure of that is something, something else. I think it's, um, yeah, the hardest, the hardest form of entertainment in my opinion. So, do you remember your first time doing it? Where were oh, yeah. you? Oh, yeah. Tell me, tell me. So yeah. I, I got, I got, I, I want to tell you two first times because the first time I ever did stand up comedy was actually at an open mic. And this was one of those open mics where it's just comics there. So you're not in front of a real audience. You're literally, okay. it's, it's like an audition. Okay. Um, so, you know, some of the comedy clubs out here in Los Angeles, they have, you know, they'll, you get in line all day long for the for the big comedy clubs and they have their open mic and it's an audition to come perform, you know, at a later date. So the first time I ever did that, I was okay. I, I got a lot of compliments from the other comedians and but it wasn't there. It wasn't ready to, you know, my presence wasn't there, none of those things were. But it, it gave me confidence to hear other comedians be like, Yeah, you did a great job, especially for your first time. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. killed that. Um and then my first time in front of a real audience, I was at this comedy club in San Diego. And it was what I was telling you earlier, like when you have a one of those really good sets where you got them hooked before you even expect to get them hooked. And I did exactly, you know, where I'm setting up and I get a really good laugh whenever I'm not expecting a laugh at all. Like this is still just setup work. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was like, OK, this set is going to be amazing. And it was start to finish, had him laughing the whole time. It was great. So that, that was my first time in front of a real audience. And That's but I've also, I, I've, I've also had bad experiences, too, because I've done comedy like I've shown up to comedy clubs and, you know, gone no material before. And. To where I just like have ideas about what I want to talk yeah. about, but I don't have written jokes. And sometimes it goes well, and sometimes it's like tough to figure out what to talk about. And also, I've also been in a situation where th- this happens sometimes, where another comedian will have similar jokes as you. The same night? Yeah. Oh, what do you yeah. do? What do you do? You go go to backup material. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 get in the archives and wherever you keep your notes you're like okay i gotta talk about something else tonight what am i gonna oh, what yeah. am i gonna hit um the first time that ever happened to me i was not prepared at all bombed because <laughs> i'm like okay well this guy's talking about this topic too and i can't go up there and be like oh yeah well, i'm gonna talk about the same thing as this guy so yeah. i gotta figure out you know I was not ready with backup material. It wasn't, you know, on my radar that someone would, especially this topic was like such a random made up thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'll tell you the joke it was, or the subject of it. Anyway, the subject was essentially like when I go shopping, 
I take my black friends with me so that I can steal because they'll get followed around the store and I can I'm free to, you know, do whatever. <laughs> and I swear the host of the show who was black did the same similar joke, but from the black guy's perspective, oh. literally being like. You got to get you a black friend to get followed around the store so you can steal type of thing. And I was like, how is this possible that we did the same joke? Yeah. And he's given it from the black guy's perspective, which makes it even more hilarious that we both came up with the same joke. And but yeah, it threw me off. And I uh, was not prepared for that. But when so you're in those. How much time is a set? Like, how much time did you have? Uh, that, to... that night, I, I think I had five or six minutes that night. It was. A, oh yeah. God. That's yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you've been on Comedy Central, right? As a stand up. And I, I've, I've never done stand up on oh. Comedy Central. I don't want to give that impression. We, we did a okay. web series with them. That's my work with Comedy Central. Okay. Yeah, we did the two year show with them. All right. What about Showtime and Kevin Hart's um, LOL Network? You so, were on uh, that? So those were animated projects also. Yeah, so so with Kevin Hart, we actually did um well, or with his company anyway, he wasn't part of the project. Um we did uh Deaf Comedy Jam. So LOL Network owns they bought the rights to Deaf Comedy Jam to all that footage from the 90s, right? And maybe the 80s, I don't know exactly when that was on. But so we were doing um some sketches where we were pulling uh jokes from some of the Deaf Comedy Jam footage. So like we did one with uh Chappelle. We did one with Bernie Mac and we did one with Chris Rock where we're they're telling the story on stage and we're animating the story. Oh, and it was a really yeah, it was a really cool project. It was a lot of fun. And with Showtime, we did um <clears throat> an animated project for one of their podcasts. So they have a podcast called All the Smoke with a couple of former NBA players, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. And they're they're telling the story of so in 2007 they played for the Warriors and the Warriors were an eight seed and they beat the Dallas Mavericks who were the one seed that year. Wow. Yeah. So they were telling the story about the night of game six, whenever they closed out the series and actually beat them. And it was a wild story. They were in uh, Oakland um, and they go to the Ritz Carlton afterwards. They're partying with all these celebrities. They're like smoking weed with Woody Harrelson, <laughs> like and telling these stories, and oh, it's like a hilarious just story. And it was really fun to get to be a part of that too, and so to bring that story to life and just because uh, that's like every NBA fan who was like alive and actually like paying attention to the NBA at that time, they all remember like the two thousand seven Mavericks losing to the Warriors, and. And and that team had like a, f a few guys that are still like really prominent in the media now. Mm -hmm. um, so they still have like this lore of, you know, like this team that, you know, but was an eight seed, but tackled Goliath who had the MVP, the league MVP on their team. Dal uh, Dirk Nowitzki for the Dallas Mavericks was MVP yeah. that year. And they went in there and knocked them out in six games in the first round. That's amazing. Kind of reminds me of what we just had with the final four or the, Mm -hmm. I don't know the, the yeah the, the March Madness <laughs> yeah yeah definitely. watching the upsets yeah oh my gosh so did you ever meet Kevin Hart because 
he's so funny. Did you I haven't met him? Kevin Hart yet. <laughs> Not yet. It will happen though. But yeah, Kevin Hart's hilarious. But I, I've met. Um, I actually did meet the guys on the, all the smoke podcast who we did the animation for with the Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson. I've. I, it's funny because from that Warriors team. I have like three of their phone numbers, which is just like the funniest thing. And they're the only like NBA players that I've actually like met and know is like a handful of dudes from that team. Oh my God. <laughs> which is pretty so funny. How do you balance all of this? I mean, being a producer, do you still do stand up to kind of feed that part of yourself? Or I, 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 do, I do it to feed the, the creative juices. And I've noticed that like, I like my temperament more. The more time I'm spending doing funny things, mm -hmm. the more I like myself. The more I've noticed that, like, I'm a pleasure to be around. Um, That's good. But as far as finding balance, it's difficult. It's very difficult. Um, luckily, with the cartoons, we have a team that makes sure everything is always done and everyone's held accountable. And so between the cartoons and... I have a coffee company that makes coffee from date seeds. We are so getting into that. So worry. Yeah. That uh between between the coffee and the cartoons, that's the bulk of my time right now. I haven't been doing a lot of stand up lately. I've been writing stand up, but I haven't mm -hmm. been, you know, doing you mean, a lot of performances. I'm sorry. You you write for other comedians? No, I've I've been building material for oh, me right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um building up my arsenal of jokes right now okay so let's get into coffee because i'll tell you cincinnati i'm in cincinnati and we have a coffee festival in october and there was one company that used dates and that's mm -hmm. what it was, right mm -hmm. correct and it was very sweet and light it didn't feel that heavy kind of darkness like mm -hmm. you know how you light and dark and everything so tell me, how did you get into making a coffee company? What did it take to do? Just everything. Yeah. So I let me let me go back a little over a decade. Okay. When Perfect. I was 20, I had a heart attack. <laughs> yes. One of those what? wild freak accidents that we don't really know what caused it. I mean, we know what caused it, but we don't know what caused that. So I have two aneurysms in my LAD. So for anyone listening who may not be familiar, an aneurysm is when you're artery wall weakens it'll balloon and your blood doesn't flow straight through it'll kind of get caught in there it'll tumble and it'll clot so that's what caused that heart attack was one of my aneurysms closed up and a little over a year later the second aneurysm also closed up and i had another heart attack so here's the crazy part okay the bottom half of my lad there's no blood flowing through that and the lad is like a very dangerous place in your heart to have a heart attack they literally call it the widow maker However, here's where the miracle happens. Before I had my first heart attack, my heart detects that we're not getting, you know, adequate blood flow to that bottom left side of my heart. So my heart develops new arteries around my LAD. Okay. So now there's no blood flow at all through the bottom half of my LAD. Oh my gosh. Which would take you out under most circumstances. Right. So... But yeah, now I have, you know, those feeder arteries that my heart developed around that. I have completely normal blood flow, completely normal heart function. Um, last time I saw my cardiologist, we did every test in the book. We did yeah. uh, the ultrasound, the EKG, the 3D stress imaging test. in the tube, oh. the stress test. Yeah, everything. And everything came back amazing. And I don't know if you know this, but 
when you have a heart attack, whatever damage is done to your heart, that's permanent. Your heart doesn't recover from that bruising and none of that. Luckily for me, even after two heart attacks, my heart suffered almost no damage at all. Like when we were looking for it via the ultrasound and, you know, the tech is in here looking at my heart and yada yada, it takes him a while to find it. And when he finds it, he says something about it. And at first it kind of sounded alarming. And mm-hmm. he was like, so I said something to him and he's like, oh no, I mean that in like a good way. He's like, this is like the craziest thing. It's like, you're like a miracle because you have almost no damage to your heart. Oh my gosh. So what did your mom say? Cause I'm a mom. Like, <laughs> um, I, I don't remember what she said. I just remember letting her know I was in the hospital with chest pain and she was, you know, dropped everything and came over. Um, so we're with people, please. Right. Like people could help you. Yes. It was, so my roommate, I was, I was 20 and I'm in college. My roommate drove me to the hospital. So I woke up at like 9am on a Sunday, a little before nine. And I just had like a weird pain in my right arm. I didn't think anything of it. I thought I maybe just like slept on my arm wrong or I don't know. Yeah. Got up and walked it off. Laid back down. Oh my God. Came back. But it also came back with like pain in my chest. And it wasn't super painful, but it was an alarming pain. But it was, there was, it felt, there was pressure, it was hot um, in my chest, like all the way across, like the whole thing. And I I thought about going to work that day, honestly, I was like, I mean, it's not like super painful. I feel kind of okay. But then I just had like this, this nervous feeling, like something's off. You need to like, go have someone take a look at what's happening, because this is a pain that is so unfamiliar right that is you know you know by the, by the time you're like 20 once if you have a pain that's like really unlike anything else you've ever felt you your body kind of knows that it, it, it'll tell you if you listen right and uh-huh. my, my body was telling me hey <laughs> you need to take a chill and go get this looked at because it yeah. could be serious it could not be but do it so i went to the hospital sat in the emergency room for two hours probably they made you wait they didn't think i was having a heart attack because i was 20 and i just went in there with chest pain you know i know (laughs) that was my mom's reaction (laughs) right there right there a little ferocious with moms i I get it and was it shortly thereafter 15 months yeah, yeah. The first one was December twenty ten, and then March twenty twelve. But when I had the second one, I didn't have to wait. They got me right in. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 they they remembered me. I was like, yo, I told them who it was, and they're like, oh yeah, come on, right now, now. <laughs> oh my gosh. So how? So was that um, experience in your life how you decided to make a healthy coffee? Was it? Was that? In, 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 in an indirect way yeah so for me I, I love coffee and I love the taste of coffee but I, yeah. the caffeine never did anything for me anyway I don't I don't need it it doesn't wake me up I can drink a cup of coffee and go take a nap oh. but caffeine gives me chest pain and this wasn't something that always was occurring this was like it didn't really start happening until I was probably like 26 or 7 and so you know there was a while where I didn't have any coffee or caffeine for over a year. And then, you know, I was missing coffee Mm -hmm. and 
I wanted something that tasted like coffee without giving me all the other stuff. You know, I didn't want the caffeine. Yeah. I didn't want to do decaf coffee because decaf coffee always tastes kind of eh, because most of them, you know, they wash out the caffeine with chemicals and solvents and things that are bad for us. And so I wanted something that was healthy that still gave me my morning fix of, mm -hmm. you know, the routine of, you know, hot mm -hmm. drink and, and I like to drink coffee while I work or whatever. So, and especially I don't want to be drinking, I can't be drinking coffee all day long. Like if mm -hmm. I have, Right. I can have one cup of coffee, but if I have two cups of coffee in a day, I'll feel it. Yeah. Or so I, it's, I'm like, my thinking is, well, if I can feel it after two, I probably shouldn't even have one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, every now and again, I will. Um, but it's not a, not a very often type of thing, but coffee is so good. Like it's delicious. I it's love so good. Thank you. But, so I think, and, and I've tried a lot of different coffee alternatives. I've had some of the mushroom drinks and, um, the dandelion root and whatnot and some of them are pretty solid but I just haven't found anything that tasted like coffee like I couldn't mm -hmm. find anything that I was looking for so and I happen to be a resourceful person so you know I grew up in a small town we grew up really poor like we taught ourselves how to animate and this and that so you just always had to be resourceful so one day I'm literally just in my kitchen eating dates and throwing away seeds and I'm like I wonder if I can do anything with these and so I looked it up you could turn them into coffee so I started making it at home for myself. I would just like use leftover date seeds and roast them in my oven and then throw them in the blender. Um, just a heads up, if you ever try to do this, don't ever put your roasted date seeds through like your little grinder that you use for your coffee beans because you will burn up the motor. I know from experience because the date seeds are too dense. They're too big. Um, so how do so, you grind them now? Well, we have like a giant, powerful commercial. Yeah, but yeah, your your standard tabletop you know, countertop grinder that you use at home, it's not gonna cut it. No. So yeah, um, but yeah, so it was just thing things kind of aligned, and you know I couldn't have coffee anymore, and I wanted it, so I had to figure out a way to get it, and then I just got tired of making it. I was like, I just want to go buy this in the store. I don't want to do this anymore, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I was like, aha, I know if I'm looking for this, other people are going to be looking for this too. Other people, you know, there's a ton of people who love coffee who can't have it. I don't know, like 40% of Americans have some form of heart disease or something like that. Um, the date coffee, uh, pregnant women can drink it. Um, a lot of people I know get like acid reflux and things like that from the acidity in the coffee. This is non-acidic. It's on the alkaline scale. Um, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants. So it's everything your body actually like wants to start the day. Um, but you know, some of us, our bodies aren't mm -hmm. equipped to deal with caffeine. So <laughs> we, we yeah. need something like this. So you take the date seeds, you grounded them. And then what did you do? Put hot water, steep it in hot water. Like, how did you get we, this we, whole process? Exactly like coffee. We literally take the date seeds and coffee is actually a seed also. I know we call them beans, but yeah, a lot of people unaware it's yeah it's actually a seed from the coffee plant so instead of and it's like a little so it's your coffee is like you got your coffee seed and then it's like a really thin cherry wrapped around it it's not like a meaty cherry you can't like eat it mm -hmm. um but yeah so instead of you know using these seeds we use date seeds do the same thing we roast it and then we grind it and then we bag it up for you and then it's ready to rock so you can make it in like a regular coffee maker or french press or whatever your kind of preferred method so you have a facility to make this, right? You're really I, 
putting it out there. I, I have a third party company that does it. I don't own a big facility to do that. So I found um, a, a way to simplify everything. So originally when I started my coffee company, I was working with a small coffee company in Orange County that was okay. making it for me. So they would make it and then I'd have to go pick it up and distribute it, sell it out of my house. <laughs> and then um, one day last year, this really messed up my last year. So I call him and I'm like, yo, or I sent him a text. I'm like, hey, I got to come. I'm going to drop by Friday so we can roast some date seeds and get the next round started. And the guy's like, yeah, well, about that, we can't really do that anymore because roasting your date seeds is affecting the way the coffee tastes that we make for us, right? So I had to find a new company to work with. But the new company I work with now is better because they're a bigger company. And this is all they do is like coffee roasting. They roast like thousands of pounds a day. And so they roast it, grind it, bag it up. They also warehouse it. They ship it out when someone buys it. So it was a really good thing in the long run. But yeah, at the time, it was such a hassle to find a new company that was willing yeah. to do this and then find someone that um, can be a one-stop shop. So for me, it was about simplifying everything. Now I can dedicate more time to selling, growing the company, um, and doing all those things. But yeah, it's yeah. Uh, simplify. So I essentially turned it into a drop shipping. Okay. But you, it's called Korma, right? Correct. Okay. And is it available only online or have you gotten into Whole Foods or what? We're not in Whole Foods right now, although that would be really That'd awesome be to get in there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So right now, um, on online is our biggest avenue. Yeah. Um, our, big, our biggest outlet. We are in, I'm in like 20 something retail locations, but they're all like kind of random health food stores kind of scattered across America. Most of them are like on the West Coast. And then I'm in like a couple um a couple dessert shops here in LA too. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a couple a couple chocolate shops that are well, one's in my neighborhood, the other one's in Beverly Hills and they, wow. they sell our coffee. Yeah, it's very cool. So you still you can still make it like a foo foo drink then, right? If you want cream mm -hmm. or Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Every, you can yeah. just that that's how I drink my coffee. I don't I don't drink my coffee straight black usually. I I'm a I'm a yeah, sweetener I mean, and cream I mean, type yeah. of person. Although the only thing is like with the date coffee, <clears throat> I always recommend to people go very easy on whatever your sweetener, you know, you use. Try try it plain without, mm -hmm. and, and then kind of go from there. I wouldn't just pour it and then make it how you make a typical cup of coffee for yourself. Right, right. Um, so for me with the date coffee, I like to add a little bit of honey. Ooh. And yeah, it's, it's great. Because also like, now, I know it's terrible for you, but I, I like sweet and low in my coffee if I'm going to drink a cup of coffee. That's all, um, oh, man. That's what I grew up on. Yeah. The, the sweet and low, it, it's the perfect, like, such a good sweetener for coffee, I think. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's not really ideal for us to be taking. But, you know, sweet and low and, and cream in the coffee, that, that's my go-to. So I just do a little bit of honey in mm -hmm. my date coffee because the date coffee is already naturally sweet. So you don't need a lot. And you don't need something as potent as a sweet and low to bring out the sweetness that you're looking for. Um, and then, yeah, whatever whatever my cream of choice, sometimes I'll throw coconut cream in it. Sometimes mm. I'm on the half and half. It kind of depends on my moods. So honestly, sometimes I like heavy cream in my coffee, not instead of the half and half. Just give me the whole, like, heavy, thick cream uh, that'll rise. And, and the cream, like, the thick cream, like, rises to the top and it'll give you, like, a naturally kind of fatty, foamy type of layer on top that's really good. Oh, my God. Now I'm going to get it. <laughs> um, so from beginning to end 
how long did it take you to kind of, um, I guess, get it out there? Like, I mean, you because it takes time, right? It, well, let, let me let me say this. From the time that I came up with the idea, from the time I was standing in my kitchen thinking like, oh my God, I should make this since it's not really available. From the time that I came up with the idea to do it, from the time that I had an online store selling date coffee was mm -hmm. three weeks. No. Three weeks. It's been years. Three weeks. Fast. When, when, I, when I came up with the idea, whenever I decided that I was going to do this, I immediately went into my room and started working and I worked for three weeks straight with literally working and sleeping and that's it. And I, so these were the steps I took. Yeah. Tell me. So when I decided I was going to do it, I had to figure out what are the materials that I need? Okay. I need, I need date seeds. I also use a little bit of chicory in the coffee because in the date coffee, because it brings out a little more bold flavor um, gets it a little closer to coffee and chicory is also really good for you. So it's a, like a little win-win. So had to get date seeds, had to get chicory. I had to get coffee bags. That's what I, and, and then I have to have a website. Those are what I have to have. And that's all I have to have. I can, I, I started out the coffee company, literally making it in my kitchen <laughs> and, until I knew it was viable and people would want it. Right. Right. So I contacted a few small date farms here in the Southwest um, took a couple tours of some of them and designed packaging, built a website. The first packaging wasn't anything like super spectacular. Yeah. It was, I bought like these white plain coffee bags on Amazon. I bought a box of 50 of them and designed a label and got some printed off and had a presentable coffee bag and roasted up some date seeds and threw them in there, grinded them up and that was and and then also during that three weeks, it was I was also reaching out to people, influencers, whatnot. You know, we try my coffee, yada yada, share it, we'll see what you think. Um so but yeah, it was it was a lot of work. But yeah, three weeks from the time from from idea to reality was three weeks. That's amazing. Yeah, that is um, amazing. And how it, it was a lot, but was that like five years ago? How long ago two, was two it? years ago? Yeah. I started this October twenty twenty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, okay. we're still young. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. that's amazing. Now, I'm, now I need coffee. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm like, damn, I need to go make myself some more. <laughs> okay. So you are gifted in so many areas. I wanted to ask you, what are your short-term and long-term goals? But there's so many things you have your hands in. Like what are, I guess, you? what are things you'd like to accomplish in the next three years and then the next 10 years? Like, where do you see yourself? So within the next three years, um, you know, one, one of my, my, my biggest goal right now <laughs> is to not to need to be in Los Angeles. Okay. So right now I've, I've got my coffee company to where I don't need to be in Los Angeles. Okay. I'm getting the cartoons to where I don't need to be in Los Angeles. So I just want to have the freedom to be wherever I want to be, whenever I want to be there. Okay. That's my biggest goal for the next three years. <clears throat> for the next 10 years, I would like to sell my coffee company within the next 10 years. 
and then focus just on entertainment and continue growing my uh the riot comedy and because because that, that that was my that's my first love is the comedy and the cartoons and I, and I love doing the coffee thing too and the coolest thing about the coffee thing is getting to like bring this to other people who are looking for it so I get every now and again you'll just get like the best message from someone that was like looking for this kind of coffee or they mm -hmm. have a relative like I've got messages from people being like thank you so much for making this coffee I got some for my dad because he yeah. has this this or this and he his doctor told him he can't have coffee and now I got him this and he loves it and so we like those are the coolest messages and that was something that I never even like when I was like okay I'm gonna make date coffee right I never even thought about those things it was just like I want to I want this for me but uh -huh. I also want to be able to give it to other people who are looking for it right. and it'll be cool because I'll make money while I'm doing it that's awesome but but then this happens and I start getting messages about people that are like really impacted and thanking me for making this company. And oh. like, that's the coolest thing that I just never even really thought about it happening until it did. And then now it's like every now and again, you'll get one of those messages and you're like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, yeah. Okay. And, and especially when you're having a day where, cause some days you just like, don't want to do it. Some days you're just like, yep. man, this gets taxing and tiring. It's like, <sighs> But then you get yeah, a message like, that. like, okay, this is great. Like, let me go find another person to, you know, mm -hmm. spread this love with and <laughs> That's awesome. bring, bring that to them. So it's, it's cool. I have but, no yeah. doubt you will succeed in that. Um, so your three brothers are part of your team. Are they also part of the coffee company? The coffee is just me. Okay. Just you. Mm -hmm. And I met your two brothers. Um, mm -hmm. So let me think. When... I think sometimes you talked about when a set is really good. Mm. How do you come down from that high? Does it take hours? Because like, you know, when you accomplish something, either as a writer or an animator or a producer, there's like, when it goes well, like you're mm. high. I mean, yeah. not high, high, but high, yeah. right? Yeah. So how do you get your, how do you come back to reality? Or how do you like just settle in? I always wondered when people are successful like you and it's just like, they just kind of, oh, yeah, it's good. Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the come down is like the, the, the best high comes when you're like, for me anyway, the, the, the highest part of it comes at the end, whenever, whenever it's over and the set is done and you killed it and you're getting that last clap of thank you for coming and making us laugh. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of ride that the rest of the time that you're at the comedy club and it, but then you leave and it's, you start to, you can come down and get more back to being grounded and, you know, centered without being this, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it'll, for me, it'll typically last like the rest of while the other comedians are performing and this and that. And yeah. So has anyone like been in that, audience and like come up to you later and said you know like anybody yeah I, yeah it, it happens all the time like whenever you have a good set because you're still in the club and you'll go to the bar and grab a drink and someone you know people come up like oh my god that was such a great set like you were so funny so yeah it's uh that's amazing that, that's when you know you're doing good so if you don't have people coming up to you telling you you did a good job then you didn't <laughs> like for real though like yeah <laughs> do you have any mentors like who kind of help you um because i know it's not overnight that that you mm. get to do what you're doing um but anyone very special that kind of helped you kind of stay um 
on on the right track for your goals? Kind of, but not really. Okay. Like as, as far as staying on the right track, yeah, that was something I kind of had to, you know, do on my own. I didn't have a mentor to like, be yes. like, stay in your discipline and stay this and this. But I've had a lot of people that I've been able to reach out to whenever I do need advice on something, whenever I need. Mm -hmm. um, but a, a lot of it was, you know, when we started, we were reaching out to people always asking for advice. But it wasn't like we didn't have a consistent person to go be like, okay, yeah, this is what you need to do this right mm -hmm. now. You need to do this next and then yada, yada. But it was a lot of, you know, we were able to reach out to people and say, this is where we are. What do you think we should like, should we do this next or this next? And you yeah. can get a lot of valuable information from people as long as you don't ask for too much. Right. Okay. So, and, and a lot of times also people are always, not always, but most of the time willing to help. Yeah people there's this big misconception that like people that are like rich and successful are like selfish and greedy and they don't want to help others that has not been my experience whatsoever yeah. um now granted there are people like that for sure but yeah. you know with my experience especially in Los Angeles because everyone out here like the entertainment industry is a grind and everyone's out here trying to make it so everyone like wants to see everyone else come up to and like succeed yeah. so they, I think the only important thing to understand is that just you have to understand where you are. Mm -hmm. So like if you're starting out, so when we started making cartoons, right, we're teaching ourselves how to animate. We don't have any content out. At that point, you're at level zero. Okay. So, and then there's there's like 10 levels, right? So so Kevin Hart's at like level 10, right? Because he's like comedic rock star on top of the world, right? So Kevin yeah. Hart's at like a 10. Mm -hmm. We're at a zero starting out, right? Okay. So you can't go to Kevin Hart and ask for advice you're never going to contact him he's never going to even know that you exist or see your message okay. um he doesn't check his own messages he gets relayed to him and the people the gatekeepers you're not getting past him but if you're on level zero you can reach out to people on like level one or two people who are just a, a little bit further along than you are who are at that next level who you're like okay how do i get there i gotta ask the person who's there um so he has long and then you know then you get to level one or two and then you reach out to people at level three or four and you just like slowly like keep figuring things out and and then yeah, you have people at level zero asking you yeah <laughs> yeah yeah for sure Absolutely. yeah yeah, you, but yeah you you gotta you gotta you gotta know where you are though you can't be arrogant and be like oh well i'm a level six when you're actually a level three like you gotta know that <laughs> you know Absolutely. you gotta be able to be honest with yourself you you, you can't have this like well, why can't I get in touch with so-and-so? Like, I'm doing this, this. Like, you, sometimes you got to be like, okay, well, maybe I'm not at that point. Yeah. yeah. So are you doing stand-up comedy, right? I mean, currently, or? You know, it's funny you ask, because I, I haven't done any stand-up in a couple months. In the last, like, week or so, I've been, uh, I'm writing, like, a whole new set um, that I'm going to start performing soon. And oh. some of some of the things are pulled from a couple other jokes and tweaked. But mostly what I'm writing right now is all new material. That's very cool. And then how do you how do you get someone? Do you still have to audition to people to then get a spot? Like you said earlier? Yeah, yeah. It, it depends. Yeah, so, sometimes I, I do a lot of open mics, but I also have this uh, kind of crew that I run with that they do shows basically from like from L.A. to Phoenix, basically. Oh, wow. um, although I don't ever go to Arizona to do shows. It's too far. <laughs> too too far when you live in los angeles and their shows um everywhere here but um but yeah they they do a couple a couple cool spots over there i think they go to tempe and they go to mesa or no not 
not Mesa. I think just Tempe and Phoenix. But um, yeah. So and that I got that from. Um, I don't remember how I met that guy, but it was he was looking for comedians, and I was like, yeah, I do comedy, and I've done shows, did a show with Comedy Central, and this and that, and when you say you did a web series with Comedy Central, people will give you a chance. <laughs> no, that's amazing. That's so, amazing. That, you know, I did that and I showed up the first time to the show and did a good job and they invite me back. So. <laughs> so where can people find you? Okay. Tell me again, your YouTube channel, because I want to watch it. Yeah. The, the cartoons is a uh, youtube.com slash riot comedy. Riot comedy. Yeah. Okay, everybody write that down. <laughs> and then your coffee company is Korma, right? Correct, with a K. So it's K-O-R-M-A. Uh-huh. And you can go to KormaCafe.com. Okay, I'm glad you said cafe because I'm going to do that right after this. And then I... <laughs> okay, so you have so much good stuff coming down the pike. Oh, my gosh. I'm really happy for you. Thank and you I so wish much. You, I wish you continued success. because I, I Like, when... You're successful. Everybody, like we just kind of absolutely, absolutely. The the I I think it's all like energetically entwined. Like we all are. So when when one person is feeling good and doing good and living in a place of love, that radiates outwards to others, and that's literally like a proven scientific fact. (laughs) Agree. I agree. And see, you have this beautiful energy around you. So there's. That's the only place you can be. I try to. I try to. Every now and again, I I get brought down, but I'm pretty good about bringing myself out of that and getting back to, you know, my where I need to be. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to your website now to buy coffee because I love it. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. And this was a big treat for me. My day. Oh, the pleasure was all mine. I had such a good time on your podcast. I love you. Did you're a great host. You bring the energy and you make it easy for me. So. All right. So to be continued. Okay. Um, Yeah. For sure. Uh, Absolutely. Have a great day. You do the same, Wendy. Appreciate you.